Wow. I don't know about you, but I've already been blessed. And I want to give him glory for that. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in awesome worship of our Lord and Savior. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me this morning to Paul's letter to the Christians in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Back in 2007, there were 16 separate fires that simultaneously spread throughout Southern California, particularly in the San Diego area. As you can imagine, that was a devastating time, but it was also a time where we experienced the greatest evacuation in the history of America. This involved over 350,000 homeowners. Ultimately, it involved evacuating over a million people because of the rage of the fires and the extent of the fires that was going on. And when you think about the magnitude of such an evacuation, what I want to draw your attention to this morning is that there is a coming great evacuation that is going to be orchestrated by the Lord our God that makes this simply seem like nothing in comparison. And the Apostle Paul describes this great coming evacuation here in his letter to the Christians in Thessalonica chapter 4. We know it as the event called the rapture. Let me read what he writes about this beginning in verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Let me just stop there for a moment and just remind you that that phrase, fallen asleep in Jesus, is a word, it's a phrase that is used to all, for all followers of Christ. Because even though our life may come to an end here on this earth, our life has not come to an end. We have total, ultimate, eternal victory over death. And so this is a phrase that is used often referred to the followers of Christ who have lost their lives here, but also have gained eternal life there. But then he goes on to say in verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. I have shared with you on many occasions, and I want to reiterate that this morning, that my calling is a calling of a pastor teacher. My calling is not that of a prophet. 
Now, a prophet in the scripture focuses on two things. First of all, the prophet is, is there to proclaim the word that the Lord gives to him about events that are to come later on. But he's also there to proclaim the word that the Lord has given to him for that present time, thus saith the Lord. The first word is what we call prophecy. The second word is what we call preaching, and it is at that point that my calling as a pastor teacher connects with the calling of that of a prophet. This is very important to me and I'm sharing it with you because in my study of scripture, my desire to teach the word of God, to be clear, to be concise, and specifically in the study we've been doing on Sunday night called the Signs of the Time. I have come to the point where I am convinced, rather it's better if I were to say I am under the conviction that it is absolutely essential that we as believers in Christ and as the body of Christ come together and be of one heart in these days and in these times. There are so many things that are taking place right before us, scripture being fulfilled right before us, that an event like this is incredibly important because this massive evacuation orchestrated by God called the rapture is the event that's going to bring this age, we call it the age of grace, to a close, not grace itself, but the age of grace, and usher in the days of judgment called the seven years of tribulation. And so it's very, very important that we recognize that uh, in history, there's three great awesome events. We just celebrated one of them called Christmas. That is the birth of the Son of God miraculously into the very world he created, that he can lie uh, down the cross for our sins. And then, of course, there is the event where he is coming back again, literally to establish the kingdom of God. And in between that, there is this event related to his coming that is going to impact the whole world. So I just want to take a few moments this morning as we think of the new year coming up and just remind you of the details of this coming great evacuation that is called the rapture. Five things I want to draw your attention to. So as we look at it in the scripture, I want to remind you that this great evacuation, this incredible event, it will be a surprise event. Notice what Paul goes on to say. He's writing in this letter. He has just laid it out for us in verses 13, really through 18. And in beginning in verse 1 of the very next chapter, as he continues this thought, he says, Now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. In other words, it's going to be a surprise. In fact, if you look further back in the Gospel of Matthew with me just for a moment, the disciples had the same questions we have today. It's one of the things we've been looking at on Sunday night in our study. The disciples pulled Christ aside and in a private conversation, look, tell us what the signs are of your coming. Tell us what it's going to be like as this age comes to an end. And so he begins to lay a lot of things out for them. But notice with me in verse 36, he makes a very 
vital point that we should never forget. And here's what he says in verse 36. But that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, which is referring to himself, but the Father alone. There's only one who knows when this incredible event is going to take place, and that is our eternal God and Father. Right now, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, sitting on the throne, the right hand of God the Father, as King of kings and Lord of lords, but he is waiting for the Father to tell him when that time is coming. It's going to be a surprise to the angels in heaven. It's going to be a surprise to us even as followers of Christ. In other words, you're not going to get a heads up. And this is why Jesus goes on to say in verse 44, for this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. And so it's going to be a surprise event. Now with that, it's going to be also a rather sudden event as well because if you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in, and in verse 52, Paul again writing to another church talking about this incredible event is coming, uh, shares these words with us. He says, in a moment, verse 52, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Notice that phrase, in the twinkle of an eye. Through the years, people have been trying to describe how quick that is. And in this day and time, they talk about it in terms of a nanosecond. You know what a nanosecond is? It's one, one billionth of a second. In other words, instantly. In other words, you're not going to have, have time to be able to say, Lord, would you hold on just a moment? No, we're gone. And you're left behind. Because not only is it going to be a surprise event, it's going to be an incredible sudden event. But here's what I want you to see. It's going to be a spectacular event. Go back to this passage. I love it. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And in verse 16, it's almost like Paul changes the focus of his vision in that instead of looking at it from our perspective at the fact that it's going to happen in a billionth of a second, a twinkle of an eye, it happens, we're gone. The whole world is shocked. They don't know where all these people have gone. But then he looks at it from heaven's perspective, verse 16. In heaven there is no time, so there's no billionth of a second because there's no time. And he describes it this, this way. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and then the dead in Christ will rise. Notice those three things. From heaven's perspective, it begins with a shout, then the voice of the archangel, then the sound of a trumpet. It's a fascinating word. 
when you look at it and it says that the Lord himself descend from heaven with a, a shout. The word shout here is not like just crying out, here I come. <laughs> no. This word is a command. This word is used to, to, to describe an order that has been given. So whatever and whomever is sharing this shout, it is, it is simply coming as a command. It is coming as an order. And, and, it, and then in my mind, can I just use a little sanctified imagination for just a moment, just trying to imagine what it's like in heaven. And we have eternal God and Father sitting on the throne. He's always been there, will be there forever. And his son is sitting to his right, King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Father, who's the only one who knows when this event is going to take place, turns to his son and says, Hey, go get your bride. Go get to church. Go gather your people together. Then it says, as followed by the voice of the archangel. Now, the archangel is Michael. And Michael, under the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus himself, oversees the armies, the angelic armies of heaven. And I discovered in my study that in Roman army, when the commander was in place to lead this throng of soldiers, just kind of use your sanctified imagination as well, just a, a throng, a, out a number you cannot even imagine. But in, in the Roman army, there'd be all of those thousands of soldiers, and he's ready to go into battle, and the one to his side... Ask the whole army, are you ready for battle? And they would respond in unison, we are ready. And the trumpet blows and they go into battle. This is interesting, is it not? Because there is an implication here. There is an implication because when you look at that word caught up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it, it says that, we will be caught up. It's where we get the word rapture from. The word rapture is not literally in Scripture. It's a word we use to describe this event. And it comes from that word caught up, which literally means this. Caught up by force. So what's that implying? And I emphasize the word implying because it does not say this specifically. But it's implying that there's a strong possibility that Satan and all of his demonic cohorts are going to try to respond to this. But this is one protest that never gets off the ground. <laughs> because even though Satan is a, an angelic being created by God, used to be around the throne of God in heaven, He's a mighty being, but our Lord and God is almighty. Do I have a witness on that? So this is a protest that never, ever gets started. What an incredible event. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be spectacular. But I want you to remember this. It's going to be a selective event. Turn with me to the Gospel of John just for a moment. Very beautiful passage of Scripture. Is a lot of times the only time you hear and, or read this passage is 
sometimes when people have gathered and they've lost a loved one and you're, we're having a, a, a time to share a service. And a lot of times as pastors, we'll turn to this passage, but I want you to look at it differently today because I want you to understand the real meaning behind it. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Listen carefully. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He says, I'm leaving. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house. Listen carefully. We're talking about a family affair here. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And then he says, if I go and prepare a place for you. And by the way, that preposition if here is being used as we would use the word since I am going. This is not questionable. He's gone. He has left and he has been preparing a place. He says, I will come again and receive you, circle that word, receive. Receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That word receive is a beautiful word. It literally means take, T-A-K-E. But it was a word that was used to talk about a man taking a woman as his bride. For instance, we just celebrated Christmas, the, the birth of Christ. And you remember in that story, Joseph had the dream. He was concerned. He finds out that Mary is, is with child. And he said, what am I going to do? Am I, I'm going to have to find a private way to divorce her or just break this off. And he has this incredible dream. And in this dream, the angel says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take to receive Mary as your wife. That's this word. This word, that's the way it's used in Scripture. The taking of a bride. Here's the picture. In their culture, they didn't have what we call today engagement. You would be betrothed to one another. And at that point, the groom would leave. And then he would go and he would prepare a place for them to live. And while he was preparing a place for them to, to live, then the wife would be gathering cloth. It was called a hope chest. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. For her wedding dress. Technically, they were already married, but this was their culture. And so the groom would leave and prepare a place. And once he had that place ready, then he would come back and receive, take her as his bride. And they would go to the marriage feast. And to finalize the whole process of the bride coming together with the groom. Jesus is the groom. We're the bride, followers of Christ, true followers of Christ. This is the family thing. He has left to prepare a place for us. And when he has it ready, 
And the father says, go get your bride. Jesus comes to receive us. It's a select, it's only, only for those who know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. What a beautiful picture. But it also reminds us that it's not only sudden, it's not only a surprise, spectacular, but it's a sober event. Why? Because there are going to be so many left behind. So many left behind. Two years before the 2007 fires that swept through Southern California, the authorities there had established what they call a reverse 911 system. Every homeowner that was in a, that zone, that, those fire zones, was to apply, was to give the information, their phone numbers, everything to those in authority. And it was set up that immediately just with one call, every homeowner would be warned as soon as they saw the danger that was coming. <laughs> By the way, that's my preacher boy. <laughs> he knows it. Here's the problem. They used that system. They sent out that, that warning. But see, there were those who never signed up, never applied. So they never got the word. And then there were many who just absolutely ignored the warning. And for those two groups, they lost everything. Most of them lost their lives. Revelation chapter 21, would you look at this verse with me? And in verse 27, Scripture says, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. After Christ gathers his bride together, while the tribulation is taking place, the church age has come to an end. There'll be those saved during the tribulation, but it's going to be an, an awesome, devastating experience. We're going to be gathered around a table, and we're going to be sharing in the marriage feast of the Lamb. That is, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Can I clarify something? Some of you have heard me share this in other situations, but I want to make sure it's clear today. 
to believe in something, to believe in someone, to believe in God, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is much more than simply believing what the scripture says is true about Christ. It's a good start. But that's not going to put your name in the Lamb's book of life. To believe in means you give your heart. It means you give your soul. It means you give your life for that one that you believe in. And those are the ones who have their name in the Lamb's book of life. Why is this so important? Obviously, it's the termination of where we will spend eternity with the Lamb, with the Lord Jesus, with our eternal God and Father are separated from him. Scripture talks about that those who are left behind, when this incredible event takes place and and we're gathered as the church with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the church age comes to an end and now the doors open to move into this incredible time called the seven years of tribulation. Those who left behind are in a position to fall under what the scripture calls a strong delusion. Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can read that later. But it means they're going to believe a lie. Having rejected the truth, having rejected the gospel, having rejected everything God has done and Lord Jesus has done to draw them to be part of the bride, to be part of this incredible event, whether you're with him already in heaven because you've gone to be with the Lord as many of our loved ones have or even if it's here now. All they have left is judgment. Destruction. That's why you got to know that you know that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, this event is what we call imminent. So what do you mean by that? Listen carefully. There's no other prophetic event. Are you listening? Say amen. There is no other prophetic event in Scripture that has to take place before this takes place. If there were, if we were waiting for some other prophecy to be fulfilled as the Scripture lays it out, that has to be fulfilled before this event could take place, it wouldn't be imminent. We would just be waiting for that to happen. But there's no prophecy left related to what has to take place before this event. So that means it's imminent. That means it's any time. Any time. And when you consider the prophetic international signs that we've been studying on Sunday night, that the major nations that prophetically are spoken of by God, revealed by God, who are the main catalysts, the playmakers in 
the last days are now in place. Doesn't mean it's going to happen now, but they're now in place. And recognizing that the United States of America is not mentioned at all in scriptures, not even hinted at, because we are in a great decline here in this nation. We are in desperate situation. We have surrendered our faith. We're surrendering our freedom continually, and we are surrendering our fortress that is our sovereignty. We will be absorbed to the other things that are taking place. And then we consider the spiritual signs, not just the prophetic international signs, but the prophetic spiritual signs and spiritual decline, shameful depravity like we've never seen before. The beginning of this strong delusion already taking place. I'm not a prophet. I'm not prophesying. I'm preaching. Teaching. As best I know how, the word of God. And I just want to make sure your name's in the Lamb's book of life. And I think it's, you know, we just need to be of one heart and one soul. We need to take these minor things that we have made priority in our lives and these petty things that divide us and, and these personal preferences that keeps us from being of one heart and one soul and one spirit. We need to do away with those and make Christ. And it's coming. Priority in our message for 2021. So if you know somebody, their name's not in Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know what your resolutions are for the new year, whatever that is. It better be giving them every opportunity, whatever it takes, whatever prayer it takes, whatever planning it takes, whatever preparation it takes, whatever personal time you need to invest. Because this event is imminent. And it could be any time. So, Father God, we know that you know. And we know that you're perfect in your timing. You've given us things to look for, you've given us signs to give us direction. But in this event, there's no heads up. It will be a surprise. It will be sudden. It'll be spectacular. It's going to be selective. And so, my Lord, my God, all these people in front of me right now, Lord, I pray with all my heart that they will be able to say with full assurance, I know that I know my name. Is in the Lamb's book of life. I ask for this, Jesus, in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year.